A rich tradition. College football podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltenpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, did you have a lovely Christmas, my friend? Man, I did. Um, I wish the listeners could have heard us before Christmas, um, which is what we originally planned. Um, We had a boo-boo occur, didn't we? We did. uh, A a rather large boo-boo because it went on for as long as it did, as... um, as uh, boo-boos tend to do, and so it was uh, it was not great. We had a, a really fun discussion on uh, Christmas movies and the Heisman and the playoff and sort of just kind of a general college football discussion. Uh, this go-around, we won't be able to do all of that because we do have games that we want to get to, but uh, if you'd like, we can go ahead. Do you want to start with the Christmas movies, or do you want to just go straight to the Heisman? <laughs> Let's just go to the Heisman, even though I do think that we had a great conversation with uh... – <laughs> with a Christmas movie breakdown. But no, I, I think it's probably best for us just to, let's go some Heisman. Does A Christmas Story fall anywhere into your list at all? The no, one that I, they replay show? I hate that movie. You hate it? I, I hate that movie. With a I burning... On, why do you hate picture. it? Um, my father watched that movie every year all day long. Oh, okay. So he had it on all the time. Yeah, I, yeah, I, right. I hate that. That makes sense then. I hate it. Okay. All right. Very good. So the Heisman Trophy, Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, and Devontae Smith are all headed to New York for January 5th. But there's no Najee Harris. And that sounds like kind of a travesty to me. All five guys should be there. Najee Harris should be there. Uh, it's bad that he's not. Yeah, um, it is. And you know, look, people are going to people are going to say, oh, you know, you don't need to have three players from the same team um, at the highs, you know, as a Heisman finalist. And my my immediate and unadulterated response is why the crap not? Yeah. What does it matter? What it, do, it does not matter if you have if on your team you have three of the best players in college football, which they do. Why can't they all three be? Uh, you know, at the at you know in New York, you know, or on Zoom in New York for the Heisman, and it's absurd that they're not. And Najee Harris has, you know, of all the players not in New York, I think he has the biggest gripe, and I think it's rightfully so. Yes, I agree, one hundred percent as well. I think it's pretty much, uh, I mean, five touchdowns in the SEC champion. I mean, the biggest game of the season. And the dude takes over. He's got a, uh, well over 150 yards on the ground. And then the uh, the receiving yards as well as like 66 or something along those lines with two two or three touchdowns. I mean, five total touchdowns on the night. The guy completely takes over. He's been consistent all season long. If you wanted to make an argument, Devontae Smith lit up sort of midway towards and towards the end of the season. Devontae Smith wasn't necessarily on – uh, nitrous oxide at the beginning of the year, he he hit that level later on in the season, and he's been in, incredibly consistent. And I love Devonte Smith, and I want him to win. But Najee Harris has been consistent all season long, so I, I just not having him there really, uh, really does stink. If you had a vote, how would you be? 
uh, ranking these these four guys? Oh, for me, and it's you know you've heard me talk about this enough. I, I think Devonte Smith is above me on the the best player in college football. Ergo, I think he should be above me on the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, and then after that, for me, it's Kyle Trask. Um, then then Trevor Lawrence, then Mac Jones. Good Lord. Why do we have to have the same everything? We need to be doing a podcast with different people. Uh, <laughs> just, we always agree. That's exactly what I just oh, wrote down. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just mean, this, we, this we always to, agree and the, we always have the same rich thing. tradition Thank podcast you. is now ending. We are going to break up and go our separate ways. <laughs> this is going to be like the monkeys. And if oh, no one knows, it, it's not going to be like the Beatles breaking up. It's going to be like the monkeys. Because again, only like seven people cared. So, well, well, and we we went a little longer than the Beatles did, didn't we? <laughs> the, you mean the monkeys? Well, that, that's what I was saying. You were saying this is not the Beatles, and I'm saying yeah. yes, this is not yeah. the Beatles because we went a little longer. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I, I, okay. So just really quickly, I know you know we're going to rehash some of the stuff we already talked about, but I think that's okay here. Um, for me, the, the the outlier of all of this, the four players, is Trevor Lawrence. Um, I because because I believe that if Trevor Lawrence played in the two games that he missed, he would be winning the Heisman. Like, but to me, I don't know if that I don't know if that for sure. Like, I don't know what he does in those two games because even though I can assume he would have balled out and put up massive yards, I can't assume that because at the same time he may he may have had an off game through throw two pick two uh, thrown two pick sixes or something like that or gotten injured and he he doesn't get to play the rest of the season. So for me, like Trevor Lawrence is the outlier of those four because we don't have as many data points as we do with the other four or other, the other three. But for me, man, like above and beyond, Devontae Smith has shown himself to be the best player in college football. Yeah, and just got voted. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday. Uh, it just got voted the what, AP player of the year, something along those lines. So, And I think 20, 17 of the 22 Last AP top 25s, I think, went on to win the Heisman, if I read that correctly. So, um, you know, may, maybe the maybe the college football world is opening up a little bit. Maybe the writers will open up a little bit. My argument for Devontae Smith is, just to add to that, you know, quarterbacks have been getting all of the credit as of late these last several years because they're closest to the football. They should be winning the Heisman. It should be a quarterback majority award because they're closest to the football. They touch the football on every play. They are as important as they are. Blase, blase, blase. Well, I think that strengthens Devontae Smith's argument because he's furthest away from the ball and he's just as impactful that far away. Um, you know, he's he's as pure a route runner as there is. And the Hank the hands are just as good. I think there's a contested touchdown catch rate that he has. That's uh, extremely impressive. So yeah, I like Devonte Smith as well. And maybe I'm a little bit biased in the sense of, you know, it's a unique year and it's a unique uh, opportunity. This, we don't always have a receiver that's in this conversation. And so now we do, and I kind of want to see him win one. So maybe, maybe I'm a little, a little bit skewed on that front. No, no, I think I think that's a good point. Um, you know, if we're not going to give Cincinnati a real shot at being the playoff, maybe we should at least give the receiver a fair shot to win the Heisman. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I agree, man. Devontae Smith is a dude. Um, and just to continue my rationale, um, uh, Kyle Trask, I believe, 
deserves to be number two in this discussion because I mean he is he is just in an offense that doesn't give him any help as far as running the ball like they don't even act like they this I feel like sometimes they don't even act like they have running backs and you know, outside of pass catchers um, but he has had to throw the ball a lot. He has had to do a lot with this team. With with, and I, I don't want to say the cupboards bare because he definitely has um, Tony and uh, Copeland and obviously Kyle Pitts, who are dudes on dudes. But he doesn't have the elite O line. He doesn't have the the you know the first round running back that Bama does. And I, I think there is I think there's just something to him having to do more with less. Um, even though it's a little less and people do want to dramatize it like, oh my gosh, he's not doing anything. He's doing so much with, you know, so little compared to Bama. Let, let's, let's, let's tone it down a little bit because you can't in the same breath say that Dan Mullen is one of the best offense coordinators and, ma- and offensive minds in the, in the country. And then also praise Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony and Copeland. You can't praise these dudes. And then in the same breath, try to say that they're so less than what, than what Bama has. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right because I think you have to focus the conversation on the offensive line and sort of the lack of running game. If anything that puts Jones at the bottom of everybody's list is the fact that he, you know, there's two other guys that are taking Heisman votes away from him, in my opinion, <laughs> yes. uh, in in uh, Harris and Smith. So um, not only taking Heisman votes away from him in terms of the voting, but also in terms of just on the field, like – you can you can give Jones credit, and he's receiving credit by going to New York for capitalizing on his opportunities, finding Devonte Smith down the field, obviously finding Najee Harris down the field when the when the time is right uh, as well. He's capitalizing in an insane way on his opportunities uh, when they are presented. But you're right, the offensive line that Kyle Trask or uh, that Mac Jones gets to stand behind is incredible as well as uh, they don't go to the run game. Kyle is consistently throwing the ball 35, 40, uh, 40, you know, plus times a ball game. Cause they just, they choose not to run the ball at all. Um, there at Florida. Yeah. I just, right. yeah, I agree with you. Let's go. All right. So obviously the, the biggest, is there? Do you have an argument that you want to share for Lawrence at all? I, I feel like he, he's he's almost feels like he's self-explanatory. Yeah, which you already kind of touched on his yeah. stuff earlier. So we'll we'll move on. I just I just want to say I don't believe he deserves it because of his career. I just want to make that I, I just, just want to make that abundantly clear. Well, and and the same could be said for a a Devonte Smith as well because he's yes. you know, he's been tearing it up since his freshman season, um, which we won't discuss any further. No. No, uh, <laughs> shut up. I don't want to I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. Uh so you mentioned Cincinnati in the playoff. Would you like to start there with the final rankings from uh uh from the playoff? Could we our spirited conversation centered around and I guess I'll I'll fast forward us a little bit. Our spirited conversation centered around is the playoff good for college football? The answer is most likely yes. It we just need to tweak some of it in some sort of way. And that, I think the major tweak is, I guess, a group of five playoff, if I remember our conversation correctly. Yeah, it was twofold. It was one, a, a, a group of five playoff, but also ESPN needs to quit the way they're covering the sport. Yeah, I just logged on to their website, and there's already a, a countdown on the website for the, you know, for the playoff, which I guess at this point, maybe it makes sense to do that. 
but it's I mean they've been providing a countdown since August. Yeah, I you know, since August it feels like they had you know they have two or three hour long shows a week discussing the playoff all season long. They have this dramatic reading this it is uh, you know, I think the phrase that I used the other day was it's the most produced spectacle that's not a spectacle every week. And what I mean by produce is it feels scripted. It feels forced. It, a lot of things on ESPN now feel forced and scripted more than ever. Um, but yeah, man, they, they just, they're just so, they're so frustrating with how they cover this. And, and look, I, I, I'm putting it all on ESPN because that's the, you know, the worldwide leader in sports, but like, and there are other media outlets who, who cover it as harshly as they do. But uh, you and I, and uh, hopefully the listeners, we don't only care about the playoff. However, ESPN and these other media outlets act as if there's only one thing that matters, and that's the playoff. And I think that is grossly obtuse. It's short-sighted, and it's not what the sport is about. And I and it's and it's actually turned some people to hate the playoff and the playoff committee. And we can talk about that in the playoff committee here in a second. But the way that the playoff is covered is a travesty to what the playoff was supposed to be about and and what college football is about because now they've just created this thing where they've essentially turned Jesse Palmer, Kirk Herbstreet into Skip Bayless and, and um, Stephen A. Smith. And that's not what I want. That is not what I've wanted for a long time because I actually respect both those dudes. And But everything just seems so scripted, and it's so annoying to see that. Yeah, you know, you're almost at a at a point where those you know, we used this example the last go around and I really enjoyed it. It's I borrowed it from a, another podcast, the Yahoo uh college podcast. Which, by the way, great recommendation. I've I've listened to two two episodes there's they're, they're great. Yes, very good. Uh that's it's Pete Thamel, Dan Wetzel and Pat Ford. 40? Pat Ford. 40. Pat Ford. Um so they mentioned the idea, and I think it's Dan, because Dan seems to be the most, his blood boils the quickest. Um, general managers in the NFL don't get together before the NFL draft, and they themselves put out mock drafts themselves, right? Mock drafts come from writers. So the NFL doesn't have general managers for four or five weeks leading up to the draft telling you who they are and aren't going to select with their pick, and then come draft day, end up picking somebody that they... picking somebody they had either been dumping on or not picking the guy they had been praising and talking all about how he fits and blah, blah, blah. Because that would be stupid. That would be stupid for the for the person coming in, the player coming in, and it would be dumb for the fan base. There's no sense in in showing how the sausage is made, essentially. Car dealerships or car companies don't do this. They just present you with the final product, right? They they just here's the new line of Mercedes-Benz. That's what they do. And that's what they do with the NFL draft. Here's what we're doing. And it almost seems like we just that's what we need for college football is just a finished product. We can have the conversation about the top 4. And then we can move on from there and talk about the other interesting things that are going on. Sometimes I feel like ESPN feels like they have to be a slave to the ratings. Other people feel like they have to be a slave to the ratings. Colin Cowherd does this all the time. He tells and, and you, and I've, I've hated it for years. 
And he, he tells you all the time, you, everybody gets mad about me talking about LeBron, but you tune in when I talk about LeBron. And it's kind of like, yes, but I also feel like you should be taking it upon yourself, a responsibility upon yourself to tell me about other things that are important too, or that could be important too, or that I could be interested in as well. Not just giving me what you think I want, not just being a slave to the ratings, but that you're telling me other things that are important. And so I feel the same way about the way college football has been covered. It doesn't all have to be about the playoff. There are other things that are important. There are other things that mean things. College game day does a little bit of this, and ESPN does a little bit of it as well. But I feel like I want more of it when it comes to college football throughout the week and not just on college game day in the morning when they have the three hours that they have to fill with college football specific things. Just look, I get it. They have this year more than ever is obviously college football is more about making money than it is anything else. And I'm sure doing things the way they are is making them a ton of money. But I just want to make one thing clear. It is not enjoyable to watch. It, it, it's just not. And, you know, like I go go back to the selection show and you and I both watched it, not together, but we watched it and they they took they, they gave us the four and then they spent an hour talking and then after an hour gave us a little bit more like, no, idiot. I'm not sitting here listening to you break down things. Give me all of the give me all top 25 so I can go about my day and talk about it with my friends. I don't want to I don't want to hear you guys debate this and talk about it any longer. The decision has been made. I don't need more analysis from you. So Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State and Notre Dame are one through four. Um, that feels right. Did you feel like there's any argument for Texas A&M? I feel like people are trying to make it and, you know, nope. Dabo Sweeney has made it. I think there's been some other coaches in the South that have tried to make the argument for Texas A&M. How do you feel about that top four? And then maybe the, the, the next couple of teams that have been left out. Top four makes sense to me, um, in the order that it makes sense. I look, I, I have a gripe about Ohio state, but like my gripe is not against Notre Dame. My gripe is against Ohio State. Um, and if you want to say, hey, well, why don't you care about Notre Dame? They, you know, they got slaughtered. No. I mean, yeah, they got they got slaughtered, but they got slaughtered by playing Brent Venables tr- uh, for a second time and played off, played a pissed off Trevor Lawrence. And I, I just I don't know if that's if that equates to what to what they really are, because I don't believe that. I believe they are a top four team. I believe they've been a top four team all season. I just believe they came up against a Clemson team who they just got through playing a month ago. And when you're playing one of the best defensive coordinators, if not the best defense coordinator in the country, a second time where you lost or, you know, where you beat them the first time, I think he's going to combat you with something different. Also uh, uh, in between that time, uh, Notre Dame lost two key offensive linemen and that Clemson defensive pass rush eight. They ate, <laughs> they played really freaking well. Um, but to, to so I'm I'm fine absolutely with with the top four no issues, uh, again except for Ohio State. <clears throat> but in the year that we're in, I don't know who to put in over them because if you take Texas A&M, you say oh, okay their best win against is against Florida. All right, fine, I agree with you. What's their next best win? Auburn, an unranked Auburn team. Like like truly, what, what is their best? What is their next best win? Because it, it's Auburn. I think that that is the answer. And to me, like, that is just not good. Um, you can't put, in my opinion, you can't put Oklahoma in because, like, you want to tell me they, you know, 
that they're they're one of the best teams in the country right now. Okay, well that's that. I mean, I guess I believe that, but or I guess I'll buy that, but I don't believe it because the, their last two of their last three games were close games. They did not handle anyone they played. Um, they almost lost to Baylor, and they almost let Ohio an Iowa State team come back and beat them. Florida has three losses. They're off the board. Cincinnati to me is the one who had the argument above all arguments because they did go undefeated. They pretty much handled everyone except for the biggest game they needed to slaughter, and that was against Tulsa. If you slaughter Tulsa, you have an argument, Cincinnati, but because you lo- you had to win off of, like, what, a last-second field goal, you probably aren't getting in the playoff. And, and that, gonna, seems, that feels like an issue in of itself, right? Like a, yeah. a win should be a win. Yes, agreed. Um, I agree. I agree. And, then, and then you come down to the Florida-Georgia the Florida Georgia debate. Um, I, I think right now, look, look, you can call this bias all you want, but I think the, I think the average person who watches college football or just anybody who's a fan of anyone, regardless if you hate Georgia or not, Georgia right now is a completely different team with JT Daniels at quarterback. And you don't want to play that team right now. I do think Georgia is one of the best four or five teams in the country right now. I do not believe they deserve to be in the playoff. I believe those two things can be separated. Um, yeah, and, and so you hit the the nail on the head. Ohio State might be one of the best teams in the, in the country, but do they deserve it? Do they deserve this spot after playing six games? And you feel like you could say no, because just like you made the argument with Texas A&M outside of Florida, what's the next best win? Well, same thing for Notre Dame. What's Or, um, I'm sorry, for Ohio State. What's the next best win for them? Now, people will point to Northwestern and say that it's Indiana and Northwestern, two top 15 wins. That's what they'll say, but are I mean, do you really believe that? <laughs> right, exactly. Do you really believe that Northwestern, you know, is 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 the number is a truly what the number fourteen team in the country feels like it should be? Because we watched that game and they gave Ohio State everything they could handle from a defensive standpoint, but they weren't going to be much offensively, and you could kind of tell that from the beginning of the night. Um, so. You're right that Ohio State probably doesn't deserve it, but it's it's almost just as difficult to make an argument for anybody else because obviously Florida has the three losses. Texas A&M doesn't have any super impressive wins. I don't necessarily think Oklahoma deserves an opportunity either with uh, with two losses. I like Cincinnati, but again, at the same time, I understand that uh, while I can find value in some of their wins – maybe that's not a national value in their wins uh, yeah. that they have. So uh, I I accept it, but it, it kind of goes back to something feels like it needs to change, but at the same time, we're in a weird year as well. You kind of have to remember that part of it, uh, not just from the uh, money standpoint, but it just it feels like it's just a weird year. Well, yeah, but at the same time, you and I talked about this numerous times on our po- in other episodes, but their rationale for the way they the the the, the, the their rationale that they gave for these for these rankings week to week were absolutely asinine. They continued to show ranking for, you know ranking bias at times because they were only ranking based off of the upcoming week. And who they could put, you know, put in strategic spots, and that to me was was incredibly frustrating. And and then just Northwestern like, and Indiana maybe as an example. Yes, Northwestern and Indiana, Iowa State and Oklahoma. 
Georgia, Georgia, like, like because of two losses, like Georgia probably should not have been ranked in the top ten most of the season. And like I'm fine with them now being there because the season's all been played out and everybody's got freaking two losses. But Georgia should not have been up there. The only reason why they're up there is to bolster up Bama and Florida's resume. Like, and, and so, and then they're week to week. And then, and then you and I talked about this, and we were very passionate in our last episode that got lost. But I, so I don't know if I can fervor that. I don't know if I can create that passion again. However, the fact that they went back to back weeks. Or yeah, back to back weeks. Drop Cincinnati down one because they hadn't played a game. Then they win and they drop them down again when Ohio State hadn't played and they went up. And then they 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 barely win their Northwestern game and they move in. They, you know they stay in the top four. It's just so frustrating to me. And then like because I, I I what they should have done is let Cincinnati and Ohio State play each other for that four spot. <laughs> like that's what they should have done because it was just infuriating. It's all frustrating. It's just not fair either, and I hate using that term, but it's just not fair. Right, and I, and I understand not liking to use that term because then it's sort of easy for everybody to come back and say, well, life's not fair. Well, th- But Your that doesn't give fair. you an excuse to be unfair on purpose. Oh, man, I thought you'd laugh at that. My bad. What did you say? I'm sorry. I said your mom's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, just missed you. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's – just because life is unfair doesn't mean that it gives you the it, it gives you the go ahead to be unfair on purpose. So I think we should make things uh, a little more accessible. I like the idea of a group of five, uh, uh, yeah, group of five playoff. Open it up to them. Maybe alter the power five playoff a little bit in that you know you maybe do the conference champions. And you um, maybe you switch it up a little bit on how you determine your conference champions. Everybody goes to like a pod schedule and you're playing the nine games or the 10 games and you go from there. And then everybody gets a chance to meet in uh, in the middle at this end of the season and you duke it out from there. Um, But you're not you're also not dealing, you know, with the sort of the up and down aspect of the group of five. Because you just not, it's difficult to gauge exactly where Cincinnati lies against Alabama. It's really difficult because just last year, Cincinnati had an opportunity against Ohio State and they played around for a little while, but Ohio State outlasted them because they're just bigger, faster, stronger. And so let's, let's acknowledge that fact. And Cincinnati can still play Ohio State in the regular season in a non conference game, but. You know, we're, we're, we don't necessarily have to determine Cincinnati's overall worth based on that game at the end of the year. We can let them have a group of five playoff. No, yeah, I agree. Group of five playoff. I'm all boarded. I'm, I'm all bored on it. I was about this two two or three years ago. Me and my friend David Bunkley, um, uh, also one of the co-hosts of the Speakeasy podcast. I highly recommend that. Um with my uh, with my friend and in guy you know and CJ Williams, um, they're co-hosts together on that. Um, but we've talked about this for a couple of years now that they they need to have a group of five playoff because this is a sham. They have no they have no chance, and we just need to go ahead. We just need to go ahead and admit that that they have no chance, and so give them away. And and also I don't understand how that wouldn't make wouldn't make more money and let the Bulls host the playoff games. Let the bowl these bowl representations host these playoff games. Right. So the the one thing that I think will make it difficult is Josh Pate made a comment at one point about his 
show Late Kick that he does on YouTube, and he can said, I, can "I just, I just want to say before I want to hear what you have to say. Probably best college football show to watch week to week. Yeah, very. Uh, Josh does a great job on like Sunday nights and then Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then on as he always likes to make it known." On you know, be sure to follow him on Twitter because there's a lot more that they do on Twitter for for those shows that don't always make it into the shows themselves. But um, yeah, uh, Late Kick Two Four Sevens page on YouTube. So Josh was talking about this exact thing, and or maybe not this exact thing, but he mentioned that he loves talking about the Group of Five. He doesn't hate the Group of Five. He loves talking about the Group of Five. He doesn't do it much on the show because it doesn't do great numbers. And I'm thinking that's the that's the hangup here. That's why you don't have the group of five beating down the door about these being left out because they're attached to the playoff themselves. They're getting some money off of the playoff themselves, and a group of five playoff might not draw as well as we think it might because you and I would tune in, but maybe the general public is not tuning in because maybe they're following along or somebody is following along with the fact that a Josh Pate late kick show that does very, very well doesn't do as well when they're solely talking about the group of five. So maybe that audience really and truly isn't there yet. And that's why we haven't, that's why that conversation's not, hasn't picked up steam before and is maybe just now picking up steam, but maybe takes a lot longer to actually materialize. No, that, that makes sense. I just, if we're just going to, especially with this year, you know, praise and, and go all about, hey, this is all about money, money, money. Well, I don't understand why a group of five playoff wouldn't make more money. Especially yeah. if you, especially if you allow the bowl, rep- you know, the bowl sponsors to sponsor these these different games. I'm there. Uh, I think I'm there with you. I think you can get it there. It would take some creative marketing and such, but I think you could get it there. All right. So. Ball games. We're recording on Tuesday, so you might not get this in time for the Oklahoma State, Miami, Texas, Colorado games that are going on starting at 5.30. But uh, interesting game, Oklahoma State, Miami. Derek King is coming back there to Miami, so they're having fun with the whole uh, return of the King, which I think, Robbie, you've been on a, uh, a Hobbit binge here as of late. Um, <laughs> I have been. Texas and Colorado uh, as well. An opportunity for Tom Herman uh, to sort of solidify or maybe make some kind of statement for himself as being the guy that could lead Texas beyond uh, 2020 and 2021. Yeah, um, I, I just want to, you know, so we don't spend too much time on games that we, pro- you know, people probably won't get to hear our stuff on um, before it happens. T- to me, this comes down to um, Oklahoma State and Miami State's offenses because I, I don't think either defense, with all their opt outs, like Miami's, I think Miami's down their two best pass rushers and one of their linebackers due to opt outs. And Oklahoma State, we know, has been bleeding players dry over opt-outs all season. And so this just but Oklahoma State has like a great bowl record. Um I cannot remember what the stat line is, but like they, they have a really good bowl record. And so for me, I would just probably lean the mullet here. Um even though it's you know it's probably going to be, you know, more of Miami fans in the stand, I'm still gonna go mullet here. So and very good. Well, uh, I think I just got an update that the Texas Bowl between TCU and Arkansas has been canceled. COVID issues at TCU. Oh so uh, that's uh, Adam. Go away, COVID. 
Yeah, that's Adam Rettenberg, uh, who is uh, passing that along on uh, on Twitter. Adam is with uh, Espen. You freaking suck. Yeah, I agree. All right, so moving along, that's again here on Tuesday, the uh, the twenty ninth. All right, so on Wednesday the thirtieth, Wake Forest, Wisconsin, Florida, Oklahoma, Iowa, uh, Iowa, Missouri was canceled. So we've got two games: K- uh, Wake Forest, uh, Wisconsin, Florida, Oklahoma. The uh, the Gators just got hit oh, pretty Ball big. State, on- San Jose State. Oh, excuse me, I didn't scroll down far enough, or maybe I didn't Overpad- scroll up. Overpad um, Arizona Bowl is Ball State versus uh, San Jose State. Oh, I must have missed it. That's all right. So you you go ahead. Break down first the Tulsa-Mississippi State game. Tulsa-Mississippi State? That's what I have. For Wednesday the 30th? Yeah, I must so, oh, oh, we're on. No, no, no. My, Spencer, this is my fault. This <laughs> this thing here on, on ESPN, their bowl schedule – Yep. They have okay. I, I I was reading it wrong. I was reading the date that's under the games listed, not above it, like a freaking moron. All right, Wake Forest, Wisconsin. What you got, Spence? Uh, I think I like Wisconsin here, but it's hard to tell because I feel like it's been forever since both of these teams have played. Um, seven and a half favorite for uh, Wisconsin. It's the Bank of America uh, Stadium. Uh, it's at Bank of America. It is the Duke's Mayo Bowl. How we don't have a mayonnaise bowl, that's fitting for us here in America and in the South, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I like Wisconsin, I think. Is Graham Mertz playing in this ball game? do we know? Um, I don't know, but I will look that up really quickly because I'm your man with a plan, Sam. So I think I like Wisconsin. Wake Forest always gives um, a tough match. They're four and four on the season. They always bring uh, a lot to the table, but I think I'm going to go. I, I will go with uh, Wisconsin uh, in this ball game. Sam Hartman's had a pretty decent season through. He's playing uh, through uh, eight games. Mertz is playing. Yeah, Mertz okay, is playing. Yeah, yeah. I'll take Mertz then. Um, you know what, man? I'm going to go Wake Forest. Um, the claw fence is just continuously like I, I just. I'm not saying that they have better athletes. I'm not saying anything like that, but I just think that Wake Forest's type of ball will benefit them against the type of the type of like game, the rock fight that Wisconsin wants to play in. I think Wake Forest has the type of offense. It it's like those early days of Oregon versus Stanford. And I, I just kind of think that Wake Forest has the dudes here to win this game. And I think they may be more motivated to beat the to beat the perennial Wisconsin team, you know, this blue blood program. Um, yeah, give me Wake Forest. So uh, then that leads us to Florida, Oklahoma. Should be a high-scoring, uh, fun game to watch, and still maybe could be Spencer Rattler and Kyle Trask going against one another. But the Florida Gators had a lot of opt-outs uh, earlier this week, so no Tony, no Grimes. Is Pitts playing in this game, or do we know? If no. he's, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. No, but, he's uh, out. Okay, he's so out. he's out as well. So who's Kyle Trask throwing the football to? Copeland's out with COVID. They're running backs and doing wheel routes, I guess. <laughs> it, beat, it, it beat Georgia, so by all means. I mean, dude, I don't know. Uh, I, I think – I. I'm sorry. I, this may sound super negative. I think Oklahoma rolls, and it's, it has nothing to do with anything other – than Florida's inconsistency on offense 
and they're about to play the best the best play caller in college football in um, Lincoln Riley uh, with a with an Oklahoma team that is offensively rolling right now, and I just don't know who Pitts I don't know who Trask is going to throw to, and I, you know I commend the kid for playing in this game when he when he certainly doesn't have to. Um, because he's going to definitely be a first-round pick already at quarterback, or will he? Um, but, but, yeah, I'm going to go Oklahoma, and Oklahoma kind of big. Yeah, I have a hard time. I'm going to... Dude, if you if you say Florida, I've got to hear why. Because I just don't know yeah. how. I just, I just do not know how. There have been some... There have been some pieces outside of those guys that have stepped up and made plays, and and who knows? Maybe this is the game where Florida presents a running game because they don't have a they they don't really have any other choice. Um, not, not with Oklahoma's defensive line, right? Like, Oklahoma's oh, I can't believe I can't I can't believe I'm saying this. Right, Oklahoma's got dudes on defense now. You want to say that one more time for the people who have fainted? Oklahoma <laughs> has dudes. On defense, I'm not saying they're a good defense. I'm saying they have dudes that can make plays on defense. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Oklahoma as well. There we go. Part of me feels weird for co- counting out Kyle Trask and, and, and Dan Mullen. And I think there's some backup tight ends that have got some time playing this year because, you know, Pitts hasn't been there all season. He's missed some games too. So um, maybe they'll put up a fight. But uh, Look, know, man, if, if it was just Pitts, I would have no problem with it. But it's Tony and it's Copeland. Like, he literally does not, he's not going to have four of his leading pass catchers for this game. Four of them. And if I'm not mistaken, like someone laid out a stat, that was, it was 58% of their offensive output is going to be gone. All right, that's a lot. <laughs> you know what? You're right, Spencer. That is a lot. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm here for the the real in-depth uh, analysis for you. Yeah, you're like John Madden. I'm telling you, <laughs> just runs a runs a <laughs> runs an formation dive to the right. Well, I'll tell you, just a re- great dive to the right. Great dive to the right. Thanks, John. <laughs> no problem. Tulsa, Mississippi State. Any interest here? I mean, does it feels weird to be talking about a three and seven team on uh, Thursday, the December thirty first? But uh, nonetheless, Mississippi State. Tulsa, do do they have a chance? Will Rogers? I mean, they've got a couple of extra weeks of practice. Will Rogers was playing better there at the end of the season. How how do you feel about Tulsa and Mississippi State? I actually feel pretty good about Mississippi State here, man. Um, just from a matchup standpoint, to go back to the uh, the Wake Forest analogy, I I think Mississippi State has one of the best front sevens in the country, and if I believe that. I believe they should be able to push around a Tulsa offensive line that has not had to play against someone like this. And so give me give me Mississippi State. Like, you know, freaking Mike Leach has had abundance of time to prepare for this. I, if I'm gonna believe in this guy, I need to I, I need I need to buy in. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna buy in and I'm gonna give him a chance here. I think I think he can win this game. Well, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth, sort of buying into uh, to Mike Leach and Mississippi State. Like we mentioned, he's had the couple of weeks to prepare. Uh, I hate taking, I hate picking against Tulsa, but at the same time, 
uh, you got to make a decision somewhere. So I'll take Mississippi State as well. And um, Will Rogers maybe is starting to uh, to catch on. All right, yeah. uh, Ball State, San Jose State. I'm not going to lie to you. These are two teams that I've not seen a lot of this season. So I'm going to flip the coin and take the number 22 ranked team, San Jose State uh, and the Spartans. Do you have uh, any info on this game? Uh, San Jose State um, is the team I'm running with. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, like they've got a really awesome story um, following them this year. Um, I'm trying to figure out. I, I can't. I haven't followed it incredibly well. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to read really quickly on this to find out why they've had such a good year or why people consider their season so well. But apparently they've had, like, this is the best story in college football. Like, that's what has been said by numerous people that you and I respect. Um, I'm just trying to figure out why. Um, but anyway. What, I'm, what is the story? I, I know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, I can't I can't find anything because everything's blocked because you have to be a part of whatever you have to put in your information. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to say um, – I'm going to go San Jose State because this is the uh, oh well I know this they're going for the big they're going for their biggest win in school history with um with, you know they they won last week they won their championship apparently that was the biggest win in school history and now they're going to a bowl game which t- to continue this you know great run of a season um so yeah I, I think they're just motivated uh, yeah San Jose State uh, favored by nine and a half as well it'll be there in. Arizona, so a shorter trip for uh, uh, for San Jose State. So yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take the. They've Spartans. got an All American on their team too. Hey, oh, is that their receiver or their running back? Do you know? Um, neither. I think he's a defensive lineman. Oh, great. Yeah, Cade Hall. Cade um, Hall. Yeah, he's a defensive lineman for them. Number ninety-seven. All right, West Virginia Army. Let's go. Black Knights, right? I mean, you can't really pick against the Black Knights at this All point, night. right? All night. Anytime, any place, name it. That's what Army did. You want to leave us out of bowl games? We will be ready. You coach said the, Their coach said, you give us 24 hours notice, we will be ready. And guess what? They've got a bowl game against West Virginia team that is not ready for this smoke. Let's go Knights. Yeah, I'd love to know. I'd love if there's a, a cool way to sort of track when the last time a team played against the triple option? When was the last time West Virginia ever played against the triple option? Not that they haven't. I just would like to know when. And, you know, that that would kind of help, you know, such a, a such a unique thing to have to get ready for. Um, what conference were they a part of before they went to the Big 12? So, I guess the Big East before it became the American, right? West Virginia... Um, and I don't think they played against Georgia Tech. That's what I'm trying to right think now. of when the last time they played Georgia Tech or Navy, and I guess maybe Air Force <laughs> or Army. Past conferences, they were in the Big East from '91 to 2001. Let's look at the Big East. Big East team history. West Virginia is favored by seven, which is weird. Man, get that get that out of here. They don't want that smoke, bro. They don't want it. You ain't built like that. You ain't built like it. You ain't army strong. Okay? You're not. Get the crap out of here. Um, all right, bring up something else and I will um I will right, find we'll, this out while we're, we'll, while we're while I'm looking this up. We'll circle back. So, 
Uh, that takes us to Friday, January 1st, which is, I think, the, the main games that we wanted to get to, which is, of course, uh, Georgia, Cincinnati, Auburn, Northwestern, uh, Notre Dame, and Alabama at 4 o'clock, and then Ohio State, Clemson. I guess we can get to some of the games that are coming up a little bit after that on January 2nd. But uh, that Friday, New Year's Day, Georgia-Cincinnati, Auburn-West Virginia, uh, Auburn-Northwestern, I guess is where we can start. ABC, uh, that'll be the uh, Citrus Bowl, three-and-a-half point favorite for Northwestern. Who's coaching in this game for Auburn? Is Brian Harson coaching no, in this Steele. game? Or I guess Kevin Steele's the coach. Duh, Spencer. Um, yeah, the, the, the puppet master from behind, from behind the scenes, as we've learned. Yeah, so how um, does that go now that he's not the head coach and doesn't even know if he'll get the defensive coordinator job to stay with the team? Like, how does – like, is he going to suck it up for the guys or does he let his frustration spill over? Because apparently he's been puppeteering for quite some time and now that it's all for naught, is is he just going to be irritated to the point where he doesn't really show up for the guys? Well, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I think this entire team – is like it's a one big question mark of who's going to care about this. Um, you know, I I think what we should have done is something that the solid verbal does, and we could have gone through the gift packages for each of these games um, because maybe that's why they're there to play. Because I have no freaking idea why someone would why an Auburn player would care when you just lost your head coach, you're going to lose your OC and your DC. Oh, by the way, rumor, and this is rumor, but it seems to be almost confirmed fact that um, Tank Bigsby is going to transfer out. No kidding. Yeah, dude. We can talk more about that off the air because I oh, that's awful. I, I know some stuff. So, so Northwestern feels like the pick here then, right? Yeah, I, I think they're a better coach team. I think, they, I, I think they're going to be out for blood, man, in a way. Like, they had a chance to win the Big Ten title. They really did. They had a chance. They gave that game away. They were the better team that day, and I firmly believe that. But they... They they gave, they kept giving Ohio State an opportunity to win, and they by the way they couldn't stop the run. Um, so so yeah, I, I'm going to go Northwestern. I, I think they're going to be motivated, and I don't think Auburn is really going to know what they're doing. And also, I go back to the simple fact: Bo Nix is not a good or great quarterback, and especially on the road. Especially on the road, and so yeah, give me give me Northwestern, and honestly, man. Give me kind of Northwestern big. Mm. I don't know if I'll go that far. Uh, Georgia, Cincinnati. Wait, who are you uh, I'm taking Northwestern as well. Okay. Right. Uh, Georgia, Cincinnati. The dogs are a seven point favorite. Desmond Ritter presents uh, an interesting set of uh, issues. He, a lot of the stats I feel like, or a lot of the highlights I feel like I saw of Desmond Ritter at the beginning of the year was super patient and will take off running in a heartbeat. And not that he's not looking down the field, but he will take off running, and it could be big danger. So Georgia's going to have to have some sort of spy ready for him uh, in those moments of coming out of the backfield. But uh, Georgia's going to have an interesting task here as Cincinnati's fundamentally great defensively. I think number 11 in the country, something along those lines. Or maybe that's the offense that's number 11 in the country. They just And their, their defense coordinator just won defensive coordinator of the year. Oh, very good. So um, Cincinnati, with all the momentum, they've got something to prove. They're nine and zero. They've uh, again, they they've something to prove. There's a chip on their shoulder, and I think the dogs are in a unique spot here too. Though 
they may be still in a mode of we have something to prove as well. Some of the guys that have talked this week, Jordan mm-hmm. Davis, Tyson Campbell, have kind of talked in a way that makes you sound like at least the guys who are participating, they have something they want to prove as well. Uh, JT Daniels certainly is is still trying to get into the groove offensively, um, and he's going to go up against uh, a stingy defense. This will be the best defense he's faced uh, uh, up to this point. So uh, I'm 100%. Obviously, we're both 100% watching this game. But uh, Georgia and Cincinnati, uh, I'll take the dogs just because I think the talent will will outweigh. Do you think the opt-outs, there are a few opt-outs for Georgia. Do you think those are going to catch up to the dogs in, in any significant way? Okay, so coming into this game, I I thought I thought this could be a close game because I thought it was going to be a UCF-Auburn kind of situation possibly where, you know, you know, Cincinnati was going to come in, like you said, motivated, ready to prove something. And Georgia was going to be the team that's all shucks, you know. Um, and, you know, we were gonna, it seemed like we were going to have a ton of opt-outs. And it just, you know, just seemed like a problem. But then, but then this weekend happened. And this weekend we found out that all the things we were hearing were not true. Jordan Davis is playing. Richard LeCount is trying to play. Um Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, there's another Tyson Campbell is is going to play. Ojalari. Ojalari. Aziz Ojalari is going to play. These dudes are coming to play because they want to play. They didn't get their senior day. They did not get to say goodbye in red and black. And again, the fact that Richard LeCount is trying so hard, he is practicing this week. They are coming motivated, and they 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 have something to prove. They have something to play for. And and it this sounds super cheesy and it sounds like remember the Titans like like uh like vernacular but they are playing for each other and I believe that I I am ex, I'm excited to see this Georgia team play in a few days and I think Georgia wins and I think there's a, there's a world in which I think they blow Cincinnati out but I do not want to I do not want to short give you know short change um, Cincinnati here because I've been praising them all season. Because I do think they have talent, but I am just I am just fully on board with this Georgia team being a being pissed off, a threat, and ready to prove something. And and by the way, J T. Daniels has had like three extra weeks of practice to get ready for a team and get healthier. So let's go. Yeah, and it feels like there's you know you've kind of got a, a, several weeks of improvement and and that sort of deal. So. Yeah, uh, excited to see. And a lot of the opt-outs that we've been talking about have been on the defensive side of the ball uh, with a couple on the offense, maybe the offensive line. So there's still things to, uh, you know, I think it's one on the offensive line in Ben Cleveland. So maybe that's, that hole is going to be a little easier to patch up. But, yeah, um, I, I agree. I think the dogs have something to prove here themselves. And uh, it seems like that sort of is spilling out, leaking out a little bit, uh, that, you know the the focus is there that guys who could easily be opting out are not, and uh, and so they've got something to uh, to prove. All right, uh, so January second has several interesting games: NC State, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Indiana, Oregon, Iowa State, uh, Texas A&M, North Carolina. Of those, which are the most interesting? Am I allowed to say all of them? You certainly you, well. I mean, I can't. I don't have a muzzle on you, so I mean, you can say whatever you'd like to say. Dude, I'm 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 down for all of these games. All right. If I had to make you pick one, though, which one would you pick? 
Uh, Oregon, Iowa State. Why? Um, because I think in that Oregon, that Oregon USC game, we saw the best version of Oregon. We saw what they can be and what they should be. And Iowa State is just also a very fun, well put together team that I think will give us give give us something to look forward to. Give us give us an enjoyable and a close game. My problem with you know it, Kentucky has no offense, so meh. Ole Miss, Indiana, Indiana doesn't have their dude at quarterback because he because he tore his ACL. Texas A&M, North Carolina, well, which North, well, first of all, which Texas A&M is going to show up? And also, North Carolina apparently is not very good on defense. So, um, so there, but so I just I believe like if I were able to, if I were going to pick a game, which one's going to be the best game to watch? It would be Oregon and Iowa State. And I also think that green and yellow is going to look great with their red and yellow. Who's the guy for Oregon that doesn't wear any gloves or anything on his arms? On defense? No, it's on offense. Die, I think is oh, his yeah. last name. Yep, 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 yep. Die. Travis Die. Yep. That really, for whatever reason, that's really annoying to me. I need him to put some <laughs> gloves on, or I don't know why. Uh, it, Ronnie Brown or Cadillac Williams, I think it was Ronnie Brown, used to do it. And it used to annoy the ever living business out of me. And I don't know why, but it does. All right, that's neither here nor there. Certainly Oregon and Iowa State going to be an interesting game. You mentioned somebody's out of the Ole Miss-Indiana game with a torn ACL. Who did you say was out? Well, they're, they're, they're quarterback. They're, they're due. Indiana's. Uh, okay. Yeah, Indiana's. Okay, okay. I was making sure you weren't saying a new, like a, I thought mm. you said receiver, and I thought you were talking about Elijah Moore, and so I was, I was thinking I missed something. Uh, but no, yeah, any time to see Ole Miss and their offense, I think is is a good is is will be a fun time, a chance to see Matt Corral and and uh, and, and Elijah Moore. So I'm there with you that all all of these games are going to be interesting. Um, outside of maybe Kentucky, NC State, maybe putting that down towards the bottom, just because, like you said, Kentucky doesn't have a great offense. This could be a little bit more of a low scoring kind of game. But how about NC State with eight wins on the season? They were picked to be a potential job over under was four. Yeah, they, I mean, they were a job opening at the end of the season that Dave Dorn was going to be fired, and they've got eight wins, number 23 ranked in the country. I would probably take NC State at that spot, even though I like Kentucky and I like their coaching staff. Maybe this is just not their year. Um, I almost like NC State to find their ninth win and uh, and and really sort of put a, uh, put a statement together to say, we're here in the ACC too. We might not be ready for you know uh, Clemson necessarily, but we're here and, and we're going to make up a part of the 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 thick middle of this ACC that maybe is starting to come around after this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I I'm really excited about these bowl games, man. I, I you know I've got a friend who I'd love very much, but he is just all against like all these bowl games, and I'm just like, no, dude, give me all the bowl games. I do not care. Give me all of them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to learn about teams that you didn't know about. T- teams that agreed. just, you know, San Jose State. You know, you just lost in the shuffle. You didn't see them a lot. They played a lot of later on games. And maybe you just, them and Ball State as, as well. Maybe you just never got a chance to see those games because you were busy during the week. Or, you know, you were watching something else on Saturday. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to see those teams and hear their stories. And 
Uh, that's yes, I agree. That's one of the the great things about bowl season that can't be overlooked. Um, and it, and again, it's another reason why y- you would hope that there's an hour long special on Monday from college football or from ESPN saying here are these games. Here how's you know here's here's how great it's all going to be this upcoming week. Not just from a matchup standpoint, but from a a storyline standpoint as well. Also yeah. with the uh, NC State and Texas A and M. Uh, or North Carolina and Texas A&M, I'm interested. You said you were interested to know which A&M team is going to show up. I kind of feel the same way about North Carolina. I kind of feel like their offense is great. I, I, I get it, but sometimes I, I feel like a couple of times this season, they've either gotten into a, a bunch of real big shootouts or it's been sort of a struggle. And they've played some defense, and they've had moments of of, of a defense showing up. Uh, in a ball game, I don't know if that'll be this weekend. I think Texas A&M is probably better than that. I'll pick the Aggies, but um, that that's a game that has that seems to have a lot of firepower potential uh, to it. And I think Oregon Iowa State could be one of those balanced games where you you know thirty one twenty four kind of game where it's sort of a perfect score, plenty of defense, plenty of offense, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I like both of those games there. All right, so. That leads us to Notre Dame, Alabama, 4 o'clock, ESPN, Arlington, Texas, for the Rose Bowl in Texas. That's been a big uh, sticking point for a lot of uh, a lot of hardcore pundits. We don't have to necessarily uh, stay on it, but Alabama, 19.5-point favorite, uh, Notre Dame. It felt like they turned a corner, and then Clemson uh, delivered the super kick and put them right back behind that corner uh, that we all thought they turned around in the regular season. They're 19 and a half point favorite or uh, underdogs in a playoff game. Well, I mean, what it's of the, there's like 14, 14 playoff games, something like that. 14 playoff games, only like 12 of them have been decided by um, 10 points or less. I think. Um, so it's some ridiculous stat like that. So I'm not surprised, surprised at the, the total there. Um, I think this. I think Notre Dame loses, but I do not think they get destroyed. I I, I don't think I, I don't think Bama covers that spread. How close do you think it is? And then okay, so seventeen. Okay, seventeen. I. They just Notre Dame doesn't have something that other teams have been able to exploit against Bama at times, and that's deep threats in you know in the vertical passing game, and Notre Dame doesn't have that. And so that really does hinder them. But what they do have, they have a really good defense. And, you know, if Notre Dame's offense was able to convert on those opening three drives in the first quarter, who knows what this game turns into. But because they couldn't. Against Clemson in the ACC championship. Yeah, against Clemson in the ACC championship. Like, who knows what what, what that game is. But, you know, you're, and then it, like, so if Notre Dame does that, like, and they're able to keep, you know, keep pace at first, you know, maybe this game's a shootout. But because Notre Dame had to settle for field goals and miss one of them, like it, you know, it came to well. Here we go, game over. Um, so they can't settle, but they they don't have dudes on the outside, man. And so, like, I do think they lose this game. I have no problem in that. But, but, I do think this team is going to come prepared. I think they're going to come ready, and I don't know. Do you, I, do you yeah. do you think that or do you want that? And I'm asking that honestly, just because there's there's just no there's just no way Brian Kelly can can there, if, Bri- if Brian Kelly no way if Brian Kelly 
It's, I mean, this is Alabama. This isn't just regular. Yeah, I, know. I know. It's probably the best. Everybody. It's probably the best offense that Saban's ever had. Um, I'm saying 17. I'm just not. I'm just not ready to say 20. Like yeah. I just, I just, I just don't think they're. I just don't think they're going to get slaughtered by 20. I don't think it's going to be this 20 plus point loss that other people are saying they're going to get slaughtered by. Uh, and if and it's because if I believe Brian Kelly is a great coach, which I do, I think he is easily a top ten coach. A top ten coach has to has to be look, dude. You've got like you you've had like almost four, two weeks, two full weeks to get ready for this game. You have no excuse. You're not having to face the same defense coordinator twice. You're not having to face a pissed off Tre- Trevor Lawrence. You don't have to face Jalen Waddle. You've got an elite defense. They they're probably the only elite defense in the country. And I think that's what they can lean on. And if they can, if they can take advantage of things early, they can they can not allow Bama to control the game. And so they're going to have to run the ball. And I'm sorry, like I I I don't know if people realize this, but you can run on Bama. Teams that have teams like Georgia was able to do it. Like I know, you know, they're like, oh, well, your response is, well, Georgia got beat by 17. Yes, because the mailman did not deliver in the second half, but. But Georgia was up. The only team to ha- ha- be, uh, have a lead on Bama all season <clears throat> at halftime was Georgia, and they did it by running the ball and using play action. And I think that Notre Dame can do that at least. Again, they're not going to win. I'm picking Bama to win, but I just don't think I don't think they cover. That's a huge spread. Yeah, I don't know if they if they cover either. I think it's probably Alabama and Alabama comfortably. Um, you mentioned the ground game. Uh, for uh, for Alabama this year, it's at one hundred seven point six. But I wonder what that looks like if you were to take out the Mississippi State game, because everybody that plays Mississippi State is going to have skewed rushing stats. So let me see if I can find what we are looking for. Bama does a good job with their stat stuff to have that available. So rushing yards sixty nine. 115, 268 Ole Miss, 145 Georgia, 139 Tennessee, 37, 59, 120 Auburn, 98, 80, 54. And that is, of course, uh, the, uh, the number of rushes, 34, 30, 57, 30, 38, 15 Mississippi State, 32, 42, 27, 43, and 26. So early on in the season, the the ball could be moved, which again, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Georgia were able to move the ball. Tennessee was able to move the ball on the ground with a good offensive line. Uh, Or let let me rephrase, an offensive line that looks like it should be able to move people. Um, So yeah, maybe if if Notre Dame with their offensive line can get the pushes that they want to get, I don't think Kentucky's probably the only super impressive uh, rushing attack that didn't get over a hundred yards. Auburn got a hundred yards, so yeah, I, I could see it being possible to uh, to and push. It, and I don't mean anybody can run on them. I, I meant teams who are built to run the ball have been able to run on them this year. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's that is supported in the statistics. So yes, uh, control the football, Notre Dame. Control the football. Hit the tight ends over the middle of the field. Ian Book's going to have to play from the pocket. I yeah. think uh, Clemson made him play from the pocket in the SEC championship game or ACC championship game, and he wasn't able to do it. He's going to have to do it. 
uh, tonight, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Friday. Gonna have to do it on Friday. There's no if ands, yep. or buts. But yeah, Bama. Um, I want for the college football gods to reach down and to make uh, Ohio State Clemson happen every year now. I just feel like this is a pro wrestling ready, made for TV, pay per view angle that's being built up over weeks and weeks of just two heavyweights shouting things at one another. Uh, because Dabo is great at shouting things these days. And Ryan Day, so much, you can only listen to somebody talk trash for so long before you have to respond, before your competitive juices flow enough that you have to respond. Ryan Day re- has finally responded to some of Dabo's uh, con- uh, consistent uh, badgering. And, uh, you know, he called out Brent Venables for sign stealing. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we've got a perfect back and forth here between Ohio State and Clemson. It was a tight game last year. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields going to be not battling each other on the same field or, you know, at the same time necessarily on the field together. But they will be leading their teams into battle. I have never been more of an Ohio State fan mm. to this game than ever before. I actually can't stand Ohio State, but I'm cheering for them this week. I am. Let's go. Let's go, Buckeyes. I can't stand your uniforms. I can't stand your fans. But I can but I but I, I dislike Dabo Sweeney way more. Huh. Ohio State wears red and silver. I wonder who else wears red and silver. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Spencer. That has nothing. There, there is no correlation there whatsoever. You crop dusted piece of crap. All right. <sighs> um, uh, so I'm look. laughing from my belly. That you're welcome. was great. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> you can't continue to talk trash like this, like he has, and just stand by it over and over again. And then he tried to backtrack it a little bit yesterday, but um, or at the same time, you know, like Barton Simmons said, um, he said it this week on their Barton and Bud show. Maybe Dabo's talking this much trash because he's that confident they're going to whoop him. Um, I don't think that's the case. Even though the Ohio State's defensive line is not nearly even close to as good as they were last year, I don't. Here's the thing: I want Ohio State to win. I don't know how how, how Ohio State wins. Because they can run the ball really well, but Justin Fields is not the Fields of last year. And I don't know if that was just a perfect storm of receivers and elite defense. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if it was just a, a perfect storm of, of support for Justin Fields. <clears throat> but <laughs> ironically, the things that people are talking about now that Justin Fields is having a problem with, reading defenses, holding on to the ball too long – are starting to come out from all over the country. And who, <laughs> where have we heard those criticisms first? <laughs> oh boy. Well, yes. How, how did, uh, how did he not end up on the field at Georgia? Like everybody wanted him to because he had trouble oh. holding on to the ball and oh. not being able to read defenses. Oh, oh my. And gosh. all of that happened where in practice in practices. So, so same and, place and, where JT Daniels wasn't necessarily uh, beaming with all this bright light, and the same reason maybe he wasn't thrown into the action uh, unready. 
But no, you know, Kirby's an idiot. You know, Kirby doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and look, he had a great season last year. I was so happy for him. I'm proud of him. Um, it's cool to think that next year I get to teach. I'm going to be his his sister's teacher. Like that's really cool. Um, but these criticisms were said about him freaking two years ago, and he had elite wide receivers that were able to be wide open with crossing routes and to be able to and and people had didn't have a lot of tape on him last year either, and so he had this phenomenal season. But then he got into the LSU game, and you know, or I'm sorry, the uh, the Clemson game, and it was a battle back and forth. And you know, he he unfortunately messed up a couple of times, and and they lost. This year, though, he doesn't have those dudes. He doesn't have well, the elite defense that gives them the ball back quickly. And and again, they've just made defense. You know, they've made the defenses a little different for him. And so I'm I'm, I'm going to pick Clemson to win. But I am pulling for Ohio State. I'm pulling for Justin Fields because even though I make that joke about the whole Georgia situation, I still want him to prosper. I still want him to do well. So I want them. I want them to win, but I just don't know how. So this goes back to Justin Fields, what he's still working on, and and the defense and finding those pieces on the line. All of that can go back to everything. Seems right now for Ohio State to be able to be traced back to six games that. The fact that you've only played six games, you haven't been able to work on those things. You haven't been able to figure stuff out and or work out kinks and things that you don't do well, improve upon stuff. So there's been comments about maybe they're still finding themselves. Maybe the six, seven game mark is enough time to find themselves that maybe they've figured it out now. Maybe they've found certain things. Nothing about that Northwestern game says that they've found anything, but now maybe they've done it enough that they're going to start turning that corner into being more of a team who's figured things out. Do you do – I mean, how how well of a corner are you turning and then you've got to play Clemson? You're not turning a corner and then here we're going to hit our stride against Nebraska and Wisconsin. Well, you're about to turn your corner and you've got to hit the stride against Clemson. So – against Brent Venables, who saw you last week, and you just saw what he did to Ian Book after seeing him a second time. So I'm with you. Give me Clemson. And this one, there's, I think, if Ohio State, unless they've turned that corner better than I think they have, this could get ugly. And maybe, maybe, I mean, because who else has Dabo really run his mouth about like this? No not, one. I've never seen him do this about exactly. anyone. He's not been this obnoxious. Now, he got obnoxious with Florida State, but that was sort of for what felt like different reasons. He's never been this verbose about anybody. No, you're right. So maybe he is on to something. Maybe he does know something that we don't know. His team has been able – his team's played 11 games versus their six. That's – how. I mean – What's the math there? That's five more games. That's five more weeks of practice. That's five more uh, weeks worth of prep and um, and just reps. That's a month. That's a month. Yeah. Give me Clemson. I don't know if it'll be big, but give me Clemson. I wouldn't like, be surprised if it's big. Like I can be annoyed by what he's doing because I am obviously. While at the same time, while at the same time, seeing he may have a point, <laughs> you know, 
Like, right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy for coaches to be able to be able to lay out why six games is so important, or why playing a, the same amount of games is so important, and why that they've only played six can, could be a detriment. I feel like I've just laid it out for you. If I can do it, who's never played any organized team sports, uh, unless you count the Xbox. <laughs> No, I, hey, know, don't don't you discredit those ultimate frisbee games at the YMCA that we played in together? Don't you? Okay, well that's not organized. That's not no. like a, a you know a that's you know at rec league at best. That's I just mean I'm not do- I'm not dogging our time on the on the field together on the on pitch. The pitch. <laughs> I knew you were okay. going to say I knew you were going to say that. I'm not fussing at that. I'm just saying. You no, know, you're right. I'm I'm with you. I'm with if you. If I can point it out. There's there's got to be a part to Ryan Day that knows it too, but he's powering forward. The rest of this team is powering forward. Maybe they they get behind a little engine that could sort of uh, vein because really and truly there are a ton of people who don't believe in them, don't want to believe in them because it's sort of unfair. So may, maybe they find something. Maybe they are turning the corner and they're going to hit a stride. And that's enough of a stride to go up against toe-to-toe with Clemson. Maybe it's not. So I'll take uh, Clemson. So that puts uh, both of us with Alabama and the Tigers in the championship game for the umpteenth time. I'm sure we'll record before they play that game uh, if, if in fact, they are there. But just hypothetically, real quick, Alabama-Clemson, Lawrence-Jones, who do you like uh, in that in, in our potential hypothetical. Lawrence versus Jones? Yep. Oh, Bama. Bama big. Bama big. Dude, I, yeah. I, wow. Yeah, I just, I just don't, I don't, I, I don't think anyone this year, I don't think there's a team in the country right now this year that could beat Bama. Mm. I'm not saying they're unbeatable. I just don't think there's a team out there this year that can beat them. So maybe, maybe kind of like they're unbeatable? Well, I just, I just mean by the field. I, I, this year's field, like last year, I would I would love to see this this year's Bama team play last year's LSU team. Sure, you know, or last year's FSU t- or uh, Ohio State team, or last year's Clemson team, two thousand one Miami team. Yeah, yeah. two thousand. Yeah, absolutely, one of the greatest teams ever assembled, <laughs> if not the greatest. But no, I just I I just do not think the two thousand fifty four Georgia team. I want. To see I just play. don't think I just, I just don't think they're perfect. Is what I'm saying. I don't I don't think they're perfect. Their defense is no nowhere near elite. But I just think this team has peaked and continued to get better and gotten better without Jalen Waddle. I just that's impressive. But I just don't know how I just don't know how anyone who's in the playoff can beat them. I just don't see it. Very good. I like uh, Alabama as well. Go. All right. So anything else before we let everybody go and we'll record again next week? Yeah, let's go. All right. Very good. He's Robbie. I'm Spencer. Two friends, one love. And that is college football. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later. Later.